This is the Power Aesthetic Podcast, Episode 3. Today we're talking about the ideas of necessary versus unnecessary and of cutting loose needless commitments in order to make room and be able to focus on that which we see as most important in our lives. I think that something that's happened that I've noticed at least over maybe the last 10 years or more is this rise of the the sort of hustle and grind entrepreneurial um, guru industry and stuff like that. And, And it seems more and more prevalent every time you take a look at social media or anything like this, where while everyone's trying to tell you kind of what to do or how to live your life, they're also talking about how busy they are. And it's become almost this competition of, of who can appear to be the busiest. Um, and, and I think that this has become kind of a, a, a real um, illness almost in society right now where value is determined on by production, um, how, how much production is happening. And it always reminds me of a John Muir quote where he talks about the idea of how he had to get away and go out to the mountains because he felt that he had become a machine for making money. As we look to balance our the various parts of our life, you know, certainly money is not an evil or a dirty thing, but uh, it can lead us into what my father called the golden handcuffs, which is the idea that once you start making a certain amount, your expectations, uh, your lifestyle, all this stuff increases exponentially as you make more, and then ultimately you're trapped sort of by your own excesses and then you can't quit and you have to become busier and busier and busier and increase your production to a level where you're essentially chained to it. Um, I think that this is an unsustainable and very um, unsatisfactory style of living and and of leveraging the temporal. And I wanted to talk a little bit today about uh, these ideas as they pertain to all the areas of our life where they should serve us, we should not be shackled to them. Uh, Jim Wendler often says the the powerlifter Jim Wendler talks about the idea that if if the hour you spend or the two hours you spend in the gym every day is the absolute best part of your life, he feels sorry for you. Um, I I love time in the gym, and I know I'm sure he does too. But the point is that these things that we do um, should serve us, especially the things that we do as as commitments and stuff like this. We should make sure that the commitments that we're making are the correct ones. Um, the other thing with this whole hustle and grind thing is that it removes the idea of kind of grace under pressure, I think, where when everyone's talking about how busy they are all the time, it's almost a victimization, you know, oh my God, I, I don't have any time. I'm, I'm so busy all the time, uh, where I think it's a little bit more impressive to watch someone who is able to perform at a high level and make it look easy. Um, you know, there, there's a great difference between, I think, being lazy uh, and, and being efficient um, because being busy doesn't mean that you're being effective. It just means that you're being busy. Uh, I've seen a lot of people who whose days are filled up with a great deal of busy work who seem to accomplish very little um, and, and people who seem to make things look easy or who work very efficiently on sort of the most important thing that they have to do. And they wind up with seemingly more excess time, um, more excess money, more excess enjoyment um, than a lot of the people who are just constantly chasing busyness. You see this in in jiu-jitsu and stuff like that a lot too, where you'll see some guys who, especially newer guys, um, who spend a ton of energy doing very little. 
they're always, you know, holding on as hard as they can, you know, making crazy grips and pulling this way and that way, um, but not really going anywhere or accomplishing very much, you know, and uh, especially when we're doing things like that that require a great deal of energy consumption, the question always should be, how can I accomplish the most with the least? Um, you know, as I said in the email, my, my goal when I'm training physically is not to do as little as possible. It's just to do the, the correct amount uh, in order to attain the result that I'm looking for. Um, making something look easy, obviously, is also the product of countless hours and hours and hours of hard work. Uh, but that, that hard work should be focused work and should be taking you to a point where things simplify. Uh, you often hear in, in grappling, but I think in a lot of other areas, things that start out being maybe five or six moves for a beginner become one move for someone who's an expert. You, you're able to reduce them down to single moves and, and to single concepts rather than having to you know, spend all this time putting stuff together. So, you know, in the email, I, I talk about this little equation that I try to keep in mind when I do things, which is, is sort of force plus technique plus timing. The idea of, of applying the correct amount of force to the appropriate technique at the right time. Um, putting these three things together can be really, really difficult. But I think that keeping that equation in mind when we do just about anything is really valuable because we can always ask ourselves, is this the correct amount of pressure? Um, am I using too much or am I using too little? Am I putting that force in the right direction? And am I doing this at the right time, uh, the, the needed time? You know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter how hard you go uh, with any technique. If you're going in the wrong direction, you know, there's that old quote, you know, it doesn't matter how hard you row the boat if the boat is facing the wrong way, you're not going to get very far. You're not going to get very far toward where you're trying to go. Um, I can, I can, you know, be cranking as hard as I want to with the claw end of a hammer to try to pull a screw out, but it's a lot easier to do with the screwdriver. Um, you know, so we have to make sure that we're using the correct technique and evaluating that. And I think knowing the right time to apply force and technique is the hardest. Uh, being able to pay attention and see the flow of things and understand when is the right time to do what can be the biggest challenge, whether we're talking about physical challenges or, or business challenges or otherwise. Guys who make tons of money in the stock market are, are usually the ones who can predict things or have the best sense of timing. And the same for you know jujitsu or whatever. Every sweep, every submission is all about all about doing the right thing at the right time. Uh, you know, and as we talk about this idea of, of mastering things and of becoming an expert at things and the idea of reducing five or six moves or things down to one, I'm always reminded of, of my good buddy, Adam Richardson, who has kind of become famous in our little circle for that phrase, uh, quit things and show up places, because I think it's one of the, the simplest ways that you can articulate the idea of freeing up your time to make the commitments that are really, really important to you. Um, you can't be everywhere at once, no matter how much we want to, to be everywhere at once. Everything that we do, like I've said before, is a sacrifice of everything else that we didn't do. Um, so we have to start identifying the places in our lives where, where we really, really want to be committed where the most value is for us. And obviously that value is completely different from situation to situation. It could be time with our family because of the value that we get from that. 
Um, it could be reducing a great deal of our business commitments in order to focus on the one thing that is kind of leveraging us the most uh, financially or, or even that maybe it's not the most financially, but it's what we enjoy the most. It's what we'd rather be doing for less money, um, which is a, a principle that I think maybe less people follow than should. Um, th there's, there's definitely something to the idea of taking a cut in pay to doing something that you really like rather than making a little bit more for something that stresses you out endlessly and that you really dislike doing. So when we start to identify these commitments, it's almost like it's basically taking a time budget. You know, we, we have to keep a really good eye on that because as it's been said before, you know, time is, time is a finite currency. We can always make more money, but uh, we can never go down to the bank and, and get more time. So you know, the time that we have is the time that we have and how we spend that has to be intelligent. And that if we wind up looking back during a week and saying, God, I wasted all this time on bullshit that I didn't want to do in the first place. And I could have done X, Y, and Z. We only get so many times to say that before we're out of time. Um, so that it's a good question to start looking at, at all the commitments that we have and, and writing them up the same way that we would write up our bills um, other financial commitments, grocery shopping, you know, insurance, all this stuff and write that stuff down. Look at the various commitments on your time that you've made throughout the week, throughout the month, throughout the year and say, are all of these vitally important to me? Because I can tell you that nothing feels better than a reduction in useless commitments. It's such a freeing feeling to just say no sometimes or to say no more. And that opening up of our bandwidth and, and just the feeling of the weight being lifted off of us when we get rid of something that we say, man, I've disliked doing this for a really long time. There are certain things that we may be committed to that we don't particularly enjoy, but that we continue to do because of an honor obligation, uh, an obligation of duty, which are things that even if they inconvenience us or we don't particularly enjoy discharging them, we have to continue discharging because we are our men and women of purpose, of our word and of duty. Um, and, and so there are things that we do for honor that we might not choose to do from enjoyment. But there's also a great deal of wastage, things that we're not doing for honor or duty, things that we're doing maybe out of a sense of obligation or just because we said we would. And let me tell you, you have no contractual obligation, unless you do, but you can probably get out of that, to do things that you don't enjoy um, simply because you, you said you would in a, in a moment of, you know, whatever, where you said, oh, I think I might have the time to do this. I've made that mistake many, many times. And, and sometimes what you have to do is just disappoint people for a little while and say, hey, you know, I, I can't do this anymore. I can't make this commitment anymore. It's too much of a drag on my time. And I simply... I simply do not have the desire slash the, the will to do this anymore. And it, it can be an amazing feeling to reduce down to a place where we are only committed to the things that we truly feel are vitally important. Um, I've been studying this week, um, you know, there's a little section in the email about the Japanese calligraphy practice. And uh, I've been talking to a friend of mine who's a, a graphic designer, and he's always talking about the idea of trying to sort of encapsulate the brand ideas that he's given in, in six lines or less. Uh, the idea kind of always fascinated me. And I, I thought that what he did was very similar to this practice of Japanese calligraphy, which is sort of trying to say the most with the least. And 
it brought me back to, to thinking about the idea of a, of a concept that I had written an article about called Living Runes, the idea of sort of becoming an archetype of a, of a specific concept, sort of using our lives to sketch out this calligraphy of something that we want to be known for or that we want to embody while we're alive. And as I was reading about this, this practice of Japanese sort of Zen calligraphy, it talks about the idea that they don't obsess over technical perfection. In other words, they, they don't look and say, okay, well, this is perfectly symmetrical or the balance is perfect. What they assess the perfection or the, the art by is how much what's on the paper embodies the concept or the feeling and how much of the artist's experience um, and, and sort of beingness of that idea that he's trying to encapsulate on the paper comes through. And I thought this was something that we could all probably think about a little bit more just in our lives and in our lifestyles. You know, what, what few words in, in, in six words or less instead of six lines or less, you know, what would we like the descriptor of us to be after we're gone? And I think this is a really good question for us to, to meditate on. You know, if, if after you died, someone came up to eulogize you and they had to do it in six words, what would you want those six words to be? Uh, I think that's uh, something that if we, if we really meditate on and we really think about, we can start to try to reduce everything that we're doing to these six words or, or even less and say, yeah, I just wanted to be someone who embodied these very few concepts. And so I lived my life that way. When we're trying to have a day that is high production or highly productive, but we want to follow these ideas of, of efficiency instead of just being busy and these ideas of reducing commitments and doing the most with the least, I think the most valuable thing that we can possibly do is, number one, I'm a huge proponent of uh, not necessarily morning journaling, but of taking the night before and setting up our next day so that we can hit the ground running in the morning after we've done whatever our sort of morning routine or ritual is. Uh, for some people, that can be as simple as making a cup of coffee and getting to it. For other people, it may be a little more complex. But if we wait until the day of to set up what we're going to accomplish that day, we can wind up starting the day with analysis paralysis and trying to figure out what exactly we should be starting on and all this. And then invariably we get interrupted by, you know, all the little, little commitments of life and the commitments of our morning and all the unexpected things that will arise from that. But if we can take the time the night before to write down everything that we'd like to accomplish the next day, and then try to take that and reduce it, to the least amount of things, the simplest amount of things, the way that we can best do that is by identifying what we feel is most important by the criteria of, if I do this and get this one thing done, does it make any of the other stuff on this list irrelevant? Um, whatever makes the most other things irrelevant is probably the most important thing. There's been books and books and books written on this topic, um, books that I think could probably have been articles, which is simply the idea of saying, if I spend my opening act in the morning slash whatever through the, through the early morning doing whatever I feel like is the most important thing to do that day, I'll never have an unproductive day. Um, I, I took what was the most valuable and I put in a certain amount of focused work on that. And so then I can say, 
after I do that, well, everything else that I do today, I've marked down as being less valuable. And since I already got the most valuable thing done, or I got a set amount of work done on that, today was a productive day, almost no matter what happens throughout the rest of the day. So, you know, as we, as we think about our day, as we think about our life, the idea of simplification, I think, is, is often more attractive to people than it is applicable because I think often people aren't sure of what or how to go about cutting things out. But I think this last strategy is a strategy that we can apply everywhere, which is to say, what are the most important things about my life? You know, that we could make a list of that and say, okay, number one, maybe is family. Number two is maybe, you know, training or work or whatever it is. And to try to come up with a list of as few things as possible that you say, these are the things that truly cannot slide. If we write down a list of three to four things, then what that means is that anything else that's not on that list is a commitment that we can reduce or a commitment that if it comes down to a uh, choice between one of those or one of the ones that is on our sheet of paper, sort of a clean sheet of paper with a couple of words on it in bold. We know which one wins. It simplifies our choices and we stop being so overwhelmed with this suffocating amount of choices and different possibilities throughout the day. And we just say, well, these three things are most important to me because when I die, it's my commitment to these three things that I want to be remembered for. I don't care if I'm remembered for being someone who was the most chatty or useful on, uh, you know, committee style meetings on the phone or, or this or that. What I care about is if people remember me as someone who was, um, you know, dedicated to the ideas of, of loyalty, of honor, uh, somebody who, who could be depended upon and someone who embodied the ideas of, of a calm type of strength that other people were able to draw from. You know, these are among the few things that I would like to be remembered for. And I know that I have a long way to go to cut out all of the things that for me are obstructions to living that lifestyle and being remembered as someone who embodied those things. So maybe take a little bit of time this week and think about that. You know, how do you want to be remembered and how you want to be remembered should help you reduce that list of things that you have to say. These are all that I am and these are all that I need to do. If you guys enjoyed this week's podcast, I'd encourage you to click that little support button here on the page, um, make a monthly pledge and and keep us going here. Uh, Getting deplatformed from social media was sort of a mixed blessing curse type situation. Certainly it's reduced the workload to a degree, but uh, has also definitely reduced the livelihood to a large degree. Uh, It's amazing what we don't know we're reliant upon until we no longer have those things. So anything is much appreciated and very helpful. Uh, I've been enjoying your guys' feedback on this, so keep the emails coming. And if there's anything that you'd like to see covered in an email, uh, in a podcast, or even in a bonus episode, which I'm going to start doing, um, let me know and reach out and, and let me know what you think or what you think that I could do better. Um, Until then, I really appreciate it, and I'll talk to you next Wednesday on the Power Aesthetic email, and again next Friday with a new episode of the podcast. Thanks, guys. I hope everyone's having a great day. Take care.